Hi everyone, my apologies for the sound quality. I am midway through editing this and uh, I realized that we discuss a lot of content that may be triggering to certain listeners. Uh, we are a horror literature podcast, so we hope our listeners will come in knowing that we will discuss some scary content, but we also want to make sure that we let you know if we ever discuss something more sensitive. In this episode, we do mention sexual assault, attempted rape, incest, and suicide. If any of this makes you feel uncomfortable, please feel free to skip this episode. Uh, other than that, on with the show. Bienvenidos a Darkly Lit. Camina con nosotros por esta casa, donde manchas negras bailan sobre las paredes y donde tus sueños se mezclan con las memorias de los sacrificados. Yo soy el dueño de esta casa, el malvado Seid, y conmigo les presento el caballero David King. You know, I hear Howard Doyle is a fun guy. Y la dama Kayla King. It's no good telling tales without a drink. Yeah. Woo! Perfect. Oh, I got I got the last of my mango nada that's melted, but that's fine with me. Mm-hmm. Woo! Beautiful. What a great way to get this ball of fungus rolling, huh? <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm super stoked to talk about this. I I am too. So enjoyed this book. It is my favorite for this year now. I mean, like Black Tom was was good. We love it. Yes, but I guess Holy maybe because like I don't know. I just this had everything. Okay, this had everything but one thing for me. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think we know what that one thing is. Yes, but but but. <laughs> Uh, but yes, let's get into this. Okay, so uh, we just uh, read Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno Garcia. And uh, I want to say a couple months ago on Twitter, I had uh, written, oh my God, this is probably the best book I've read this year. It's so amazing. And I'm glad that my fellow Darkly Lit members, or uh, companions, we're willing to read this with me, and I'm so glad you guys liked it. Because I was like, oh, what if they hate it? What if they're like, Kayla, what's wrong with you? This is weird. <laughs> <laughs> but this, oh, oh, I'm so excited to talk about this. Because I want to geek, I wanted to geek out about this so badly. <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll give the summary. Um, Hopefully you all read it along with us. Because I should go without saying, major spoilers ahead. Please do yeah, not follow okay. this unless you've read it. I mean it please 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 go like go read it go read it first and come back take as much time as you need but really please there's like a few books that we've said we're like please just go read it this is one of them go read it i i like stop, we really mean it for this stop one. the podcast right now if you haven't read it if you haven't read it go read it like i, I promise you it feels like it might be a lengthy read but you the book will, will suck you in and it won't let you go mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it goes by so quickly because you just want to keep reading more and more anyway anyway so okay everyone Last warning go read it what? okay, okay. <laughs> we're good everyone everyone read it everyone ready we're good okay we're good good job okay. we're so glad you read it okay so uh the novel is set in 1950s mexico and uh we follow our protagonist uh uh noemi uh, Toba- uh, to- uh toboada I'm probably is butchering. It uh, I think it's Tabawada. Uh, she's a rich socialite and uh, likes to go to parties, enjoys flirting. She's a bit flighty and her and keeps changing what she wants to do, but currently wants to get her master's in anthropology. I, I love her as a character, right? But I, I will, <laughs> we will get into that later. So she's brought home early from a party because her father receives this letter from her cousin, Catalina, that's extremely frantic and is basically a lot of rambling and stating like the house is trying to get her and requests specifically that Noemi comes to the house that she's at uh, with her new husband and check in on her. So that's what Noemi does. She arrives at what's known as High Place, which is uh, an English manor um, in the Mexican countryside town of uh, El Trifuno. It's there she meets Catalina's husband, Virgil Doyle and his weird family. 
Uh, Jeez. Which includes uh, his very old mummy-like father, Howard. His, uh, I I believe it's his cousin, uh, Florence. And then Florence's son, who is not like the other Doyles. He's actually a very nice and kind individual named uh, Francis. Along the way, uh, Noemi starts to notice some weird things about this mansion. She has nightmares. Uh, Catalina is saying, like, uh, the wall, like the walls are closing in, that there's something not right with this house. And eventually, Noemi comes to discover that this family is basically cursed due to a fungus that, or which is known as the gloom, that she has seen all over the house that she has thought is just spores or mold. Uh, but it turns out it, it's there for a purpose. So it's what's keeping them living long, or specifically Howard living long um, for years and years. And it just leads into a whole mess of craziness. And oh boy, it's it got the thing is, I, I if I go too much into it, that leaves the discussion. There's a lot of details here, so just know that Noemi really get gets trapped in a basically a horror film (laughs) and it's up to it's up to her to use her (laughs) latent abilities and maybe some she didn't know she had to kind of save herself catalina and get to the bottom of this creepy mystery yeah so oh boy we've already confirmed that this book is amazing yeah this is um uh, you know what's great is um, earlier this year we you know we read the ballad of black tom and here's victor laval the author with praise right on the front cover, masterful, a gloriously moody adventure, spooky, smart, and wry. So that's already a good sign. I didn't really see he had uh, commented on the book, so that's fun. Yeah, it's it's kind of fun. The interconnection there is a, is a nice touch. We actually bought the book. We got a hard copy, and um, am, it is on my my list of of I need a hard copy. I oh need yeah, a physical copy because I I listened to the audio, the Kindle audio version and which is nice which is like very enjoyable mm-hmm. but like i, I want my a physical copy maybe i'll i will press some uh flowers in it or something oh <laughs> that's a good idea we get some spore prints in there <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> okay well okay i okay i want to talk about the characters yeah yeah so yeah, actually, that's important because we have, not only do we have, you know, a bunch of characters, we have a really complicated family tree we're going to have to talk yes. about at some point. I was just explaining to say that last night, Dave and I were like, okay, how is, who's connected where? We, we're trying to figure out this family tree of the Doyles because it's a messed up family tree, so. Mm-hmm. 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 But, like, starting with, like, Noemi, like, mm-hmm. immediately, like, strong female lead. Just, okay, I was excited to read this because I haven't read a lot of books from Hispanic authors or Latinx authors. And we really enjoyed, what was it, Five Nights? No. Five oh, Midnights. Five Midnights. Five Midnights. <laughs> um, so that was like, okay, I need to read more from Hispanic authors. So I'm glad that we chose this. And just having that strong, like, female Latina lead was super nice. Mm-hmm. I need more of that in my life, and I'm going to pursue yes. that more. And Noemi is definitely like ideal in that. So, because like she knows what she wants for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's she knows she knows what she wants enough to give her some agency and not have mm-hmm. her become really flighty. But you have some of the flightier elements. I think one thing I really like about her is you you say she's a you know there's that that classic you know strong female character kind of idea. But what I like about her is she's still pretty distinctly feminine through the whole, the mm-hmm. whole thing. Well, you hear, like, uh, her traits. Like, she's a socialite. She likes to wear dresses. Um, she's, she, she cares a lot about fashion. Fashion. She cares about her looks. She likes to go to parties. She flirts with boys. You hear that, and you don't automatically think, oh, strong female character. But she absolutely is. In a sense, you could say that the her feminine traits is what makes her so come across so strong. Mm-hmm. Like she takes great pride in her her knowledge, in her love of fashion, and in the way she knows how to socialize as a as a proper lady. Oh yeah! What's great is throughout the novel, she uses those skills mm-hmm. to get places. Like when she's going into the town, and she needs to have a conversation with uh, Doctor Camarillo, and like when she like pretends that she's going to start crying. <laughs> That's right. I loved and it. Like, I was like, yes, please. 
<laughs> oh my god she's great she's great but also but also francis is my boy <laughs> like the second they start describing him i'm like oh man this pale ass lanky boy he's mine i love him already and just every time he comes in and opens his damn mouth just like anything i'm just like i love this guy i love him i, love him. I so thought he was going to like die or like sacrifice himself to like help Noemi get out and I was like shit if like because early on I was like what if Howard takes over Francis instead and like like as soon as I knew some shit was going on like the other as soon as that like reveal came I was like oh no oh no please don't take Francis from me Uh, but he doesn't i'm so grateful like actually throughout i'm like oh god francis better not be evil i swear to god if francis is evil i'm gonna be so pissed no it was very important that we have a sympathetic doyle and francis is a great i i like francis a lot Mm -hmm. francis is fantastic and Mm -hmm. i he we needed someone on the inside like just from a narrative standpoint we need someone on the inside to be like noemi's uh guide in a way and i liked that by the end of it, like he he just kept kind of kept proving himself, and I liked how she kept kind of comparing. Like, well, he's not like attractive in the classic sense, but I kind of like just how honest he is in kind of a doofy way. Mm-hmm. And then over time, she, that just becomes more and more like he just becomes more and more endearing, and it's wonderful. Interestingly enough, I read uh, I've been reading uh, like tweets by uh, Sylvia Morena uh, Garcia because my God, her Twitter account is amazing. Um, but she'll actually add in details here and there, uh, about like from the book. And one of the things she said is, um, she says, Francis isn't necessarily unattractive. You just got to remember that, uh, Noemi is so accustomed to these pretty boys that she doesn't, she doesn't really understand. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yes. It's like from Noemi's perspective, he's not like classically attractive. Exactly. But she finds a beauty in him. Uh, in her, you know, she sees a beauty in him. When we get details about Francis, he's often being compared to Virgil, who is like a fucking Adonis, apparently. Yeah. So, uh, beside Virgil, poor Francis is who's who's got probably more of a natural attractiveness. Uh, is is not going to look as good as he probably is. Virgil's got like that Playboy angle. Yes, and it's. And it and they definitely play that up and how awful that ends up being. But well, I mean, we'll get to Virgil. But one of the interesting things, though, with like Virgil, because he does. There's moments where he does talk, and you think to yourself, "Oh, he is kind of sympathetic." Like there's moments where he that he speaks, and you're like, "Oh, he kind of gets it." More like he knows how to play that role. Like he is a hundred percent manipulative and oh, like calculated and like those are usually the type of characters that I really enjoy playing uh when I do like when I type out role play games with my friend mm-hmm. and like so like immediately Virgil I was also like mm, I totally get you I get you I don't trust you ever never not a f- single fucking word out of your mouth I don't trust you because I know no. you no and that's the thing like the great part is he is manipulative but he mm. it's exactly He's a good manipulator. Mm-hmm. Like his betrayal to Howard, like he was like, oh no, I wanted you to like to fuck up Howard. I was like, mm, yes, I saw that. Yeah, I know you. It's funny. It's, it's he's such he, it's such Machiavellian, like you mm. know, proper scheming. He's like, oh no, this is all going according to plan. He's got that like, like cocky, like, oh yeah. I like, you know, the, the Voltaire song, When You're Evil? Yes. This is. I'm the fly in your suit. I'm the pillow in your suit. Yes. He really does play up like the just utter like the predator wolf in sheep's clothing, but except not really because there's the wolf head clearly sticking out. Like honestly, like I, I, there's moments I like I was almost kind of like oh shit like he's actually saying phrases that do seem genuine and you're like and there's a part of me that's like. Am I being played? Like, is he like? I, I was so sure that I was. I had pinned him as like a playboy manipulator. But then he'll say he would say stuff, and I'm like, maybe I'm just too harsh on him. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's great. No, that's that's such a good that, and that's such a good bit of the writing too. Mm-hmm. Is you really don't know you you keep second guessing yourself with Virgil, and that's exactly what he wants. Well, and it's and that makes sense like uh because catalina is married to virgil and she married him very quickly 
yeah, she apparently, we never do find out about Catalina's previous lover, the one that she was apparently very into before he kind of got chased off. Yeah. They talk about that a little bit in the book. But then she meets Virgil and not long after they are engaged and they get married. It, but it makes sense in a weird way. Like he's such a charmer and he's good at it. So it would make sense why she would be charmed by him. And you know. So quickly. And you know, it's like that. It's like, again, it makes sense in the book because they talk about how it's, it talks about how, um, Catalina is a very kind of like, or at least from Noemi's perspective, very kind of head in the clouds, storybook, Mm -hmm. fairy tale, gothic novel. They mentioned the fact that the Bronte writings of the Bronte sisters keep getting brought up. I'm like, Oh my God, we we were talking about books that, that, that feel like very close comparisons in a lot of ways, our inspirations. And I think we settle on Jane Eyre a little bit, a little bit, like there's elements of Jane Eyre. Like there's definitely some Bronte bronte gothic elements to this story so Mm -hmm. which is a good thing even though jane Eyre is ridiculous also there's (laughs) clearly clearly some uh reference from the yellow wallpaper yeah oh my god they brought up the rest cure i'm like oh my gosh where's where's charlotte perkins gilman she's rolling in her grave right now (laughs) she's not rolling in her grave no no, i mean like she's more like punching her fist through the grave right now and then howard oh howard howard is just goddamn terrifying like just the description of every time like i feel like his description like physical description shifts every time we see him yeah it just gets it just gets worse and worse and it's like he made my skin crawl oh i've never like immediately as he's first he was described i'm like i'm gonna hate this man (laughs) i'm gonna well the very first thing he does is he starts talking about eugenics and like uh, i mean not even describing his appearance but he's the very first thing he does is talk about eugenics and you're like oh shit Here's where things are going to get fucked. It's like in that first introduction of him, you realize just how disgusting and like rotten he is on the inside. And then like gradually throughout the story, the like exterior of him like reflects that. He's a, he's a, he's a decaying mushroom. Ew. Ew. Think of it. Like he seems, he, he, he grows from decay and then he himself slowly decays over the book. It's like. He is a disgusting man. He's so disgusting. I mean, it, and it gets worse. <laughs> Who do you think is like a worse villain between Virgil and Howard? Because they're very much like part of each other, like almost literally oh. because of the gloom. But they like present different threats. Uh, Virgil is very much chip off the old block in a lot of ways. Yes, yeah. I mean, because he all he wants to do is like at the well. The only difference between Virgil and Howard is that Howard's a little bit stuck in the in the past and stuck in this like eugenics idea and then Virgil's like nah I'm just gonna have children lot help have these two produce lots and lots of children for me to eventually possess and I'm like does blood's not as much of an issue I'm like still fucking creepy <laughs> it's awful <laughs> terrible I think I I think Howard is worse but that's because it's been recalled he's like about 300 years old due to due to the gloom so he's been doing this bullshit and gross things for a very long time you know what's a realization too this is probably not even his first body oh of course not it is i don't i don't like howard doyle is a doyle that the original doyle the one that that found the fungus in the first place the one that uh you know basically killed those uh, what cultists um hermits Mm -hmm. the religious order that was actually using the the mushrooms for, you know, not exploitative purposes per se. They, um, you know, that that Doyle is never referred to as Howard Doyle. That's just Doyle. Mm-hmm. And then that one is eventually becomes Howard Doyle. And then, ugh. It just gets worse and worse. You know what? I had, a, I had an observation since I know we're going to start talking about the family tree a little bit here. And like Howard Doyle is the obvious, like... As as time goes on, he becomes the obvious monster, whereas Virgil is a little bit more of like he's the monster that you have to kind of get to know, and he's almost a little bit more insidious because he is not the most apparent threat, you know, at least not until later. Howard is the thing that's repulsive and you avoid, but Virgil has this like allure to him, especially for Noemi. Mm. And it's coupled, but it's also coupled with the fact that the allure has the danger attached to it with him just being like, nah, basically I'm just going to manipulate you. And it's terrible. I don't even want to (laughs) say, but um, one of the reasons I think Francis is not such a terrible person. And this is because um, 
and he's able to kind of break away from things a little bit more is he's not all the other Doyles are inbred. I mean, let's get that right out. All the other Doyles are pretty much inbred. So the weird thing about the gloom is the fact that in order for it to work properly, it attaches itself to a bloodline. And when it, when it gets used to that bloodline, it likes to stick with that specific bloodline. So in order to keep it being as strong as power as possible, Howard basically fucks his sisters and uh, has children <laughs> with them. Was it specifically that it, it had to be that bloodline or did Howard introduce that? That he, he specifically wanted to keep it in that bloodline? Because we find out that both Catalina and Noemi are compatible. Right. Yeah, that's the so weird So that would imply that their blood is also like gloom good. <laughs> um <laughs> But it, it, so that's what I took it is was that, that Howard and his idea of eugenics was like, okay, we're compatible with the gloom. Our bloodline is compatible with the gloom because we are cle- clearly superior and thus I'm going to keep it in our bloodline. And then that's how we get the inbreeding. But mm-hmm. then we discover because they, they don't have any more options, Virgil goes out, marries Catalina, and then they bring Noemi in too when they realize that they are also compatible. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's that idea is like, it takes to a certain family, but then it was basically Howard. Who's like, I'm going to be an ancestral bastard. I, yeah. I, I was like, it's, it was Howard who kind of worked, who put the eugenics angle in there. Maybe it does help bond to a bloodline, but he wanted to really keep it in the blood because he really wanted to make sure he uh, maintained his immortality. Okay. I just had a thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I could be entirely wrong, but it just kind of like occurred to me because we know that the original Howard found this like tribe or whatever that were that they, they lived with the gloom. They didn't necessarily use it to keep them alive, but they used it in their practices and in their health. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. What if it was their blood that was compatible because they were already living with the gloom and Howard was only able original Doyle was only able to introduce his bloodline into it because he did marry one of them and had a child with one of them so i'm gonna make the assumption that then howard was able he probably maybe had some compatibility with the gloom because he had to uh, obviously merge with it to transfer himself to the child he probably had with that first woman Mm-hmm. Uh, and then has then since been like yeah maybe it's not necessarily his blood but because his off you know his initial offspring didn't they eat that baby <laughs> yeah they well, did. In oh, the, in, in, i think they ate that child <laughs> so that the doyle and the doyle sisters so the doyle and the doyle sisters would uh, would become one with the gloom and then that's how they introduced it into their bloodline it could be way wrong, but that's how I'm remembering things now. Yeah, well, yeah this has got of- everything. This, I mean, it's got everything: incest, cannibalism, um, body horror. Um, uh, uh, you know, basically violent acts against uh, newborns in terms of eating them. Crazy so, hallucinations. Um, uh, potent. Um, I mean, like Virgil gets very gets very handsy. No, I mean, pretty much is just like he tried to rape me. Like, like he vomited like bile into her mouth, and I'm like, oh. Oh, that was gross. I was like, does it? But he's like completely naked. I'm like, oh god, oh, oh god. This is like my worst nightmare. Like, mm. and yet the book is so good. <laughs> it was so gross. I was like, yes, <laughs> throw up too. God damn it. The one, the thing I was gonna say though earlier is like, I, I guess yeah, the argument can be made that maybe it is a little bit of a delusion on Howard's part. We don't ever quite get the exact understanding of it. Virgil and Howard clearly know more about it. And ha- and Virgil is of the belief that it's not all about the keeping it just in the bloodline. We need to expand. And that's why I, when he dies, I will become the new keeper. I don't know quite know, understand how that was going to work with Virgil. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess he was just next because they were all connected to it anyway. And besides, by that point, Florence had been killed. The only one that kind of left was, was Francis. Mm-hmm. Um, now, but with Francis... Um, Francis was actually born, his father was from outside the family, so he's not quite mm-hmm. as inbred as the rest of them. You can, I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's already like hints that Francis is, I mean, other than his personality being a bit more likable, he's definitely much more likable as a person, but um, uh, he's the one that picks her up. He has no problems. Well, not that he has no problems leaving High Place, but you realize that the rest of the family like never leaves. 
Yeah. Like they never leave. It, it, uh, like uh, Francis is the only one that's like, yeah, I'll take you out. Yeah, I'll be. Well, I mean, he's trying to impress her, but he's the one who picks her up in the car. Yeah. Do you think the influence was more lax on him, though, because they knew he would nothing of value would be lost when Howard took control of him? Because that was the plan from the beginning. We all thought it was going to be Virgil, but then it's it's he's actually wants to take over uh, Francis. Wasn't it though that he was going to go after Virgil, but then at the last moment, Virgil was knocked unconscious. And so it was just, there wasn't enough time to go drag his body. Maybe. I I, I, I was under the impression that Nomi had the realization that she had thought it was going to be Virgil the whole time, but really they were going to have it be Francis. And I, it was always going to be Francis. It's hard to tell because it, 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 in, in the moment it's like, I mean, it, it would be more likely that Virgil would be the one to pass it on because he has the bloodline. He mm-hmm. has the, the more pure genes. Exactly. Francis is kind of treated as like, like you said, he's kind of, cast aside for the most part Um, he's he's like an afterthought yeah he's just kind of abused like this is this is clearly someone who is like no you don't ever leave this house you're never allowed to so like when she's asking like you've never thought to like break a rule he's like no why would i and it's just like oh god i kind of felt that (laughs) because that i mean a boy's best friend is his mother no no no, it's not i'm kidding i'm kidding but it's more like um if, I mean, if he does break a rule, it's, it, I mean, as he says, Howard is a god. And that's what he is. In that house, he is a god. Right. So he watches everything. So if he makes a mistake, Francis is fucked. Mm-hmm. Like, I love how over the course of the book, you kind of find out why and how this the whole thing works, how all the supernatural stuff works because of the just network of fungi and spores and mm-hmm. everything like worked into the fabric of the house. And the reason they brought soil from England was to, so the, um, it, it could, the, the spores could more, were more conducive with that soil. And there was more of a guarantee that they would grow and spread instead of in soil they were unfamiliar with. And it's mm-hmm. like, wow, it's, it's so well-crafted, this whole setup. The one thing I do like is, uh, so one of uh, Noemi's uh, habits is she smokes and they keep saying, don't smoke. And it's just like, okay, clearly that's, yeah, it's a bad habit and whatnot, but it actually affects the spores. The cigarettes are actually like harm the spores, so that's why they don't want her to smoke. And it actually becomes like a tool for helping her, which is interesting to see. You really see that with like cigarettes or anything like that. It does lead to the real realization that ultimately you have to kill it with fire. Mm-hmm. What other, I mean, what other characters? We got a long, weird family tree. We have to talk about, we should talk, probably talk about the quote unquote ghosts of the house. Okay, too. so mm-hmm. first of all, it, this this gets introduced early on because uh, Noemi learns outside of the house, like because she's out and she talks to you, Marta, I believe her name was. Yeah, Marta, Marta Duvall. Yes. And Marta's the one that's like, oh yeah, that, that house is cursed. Oh, why is that? Well, there was a bride that killed everybody. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> what? Because everything. <laughs> so, yeah, um, Ruth, who is uh, Virgil's older sister, much older sister, uh, discovered what was going on, and she just went on a fucking murder spree. Like, she, and as a bride, by the way, she was about to get married. I don't think it was so much that she discovered what was going on. It's just more that she always, she, she definitely had to always have known. But maybe she was trying to rebel a bit in the lover that she found. Oh, yeah she she had she took a lover from one of the from uh, she took a lover from one of the the mine workers. It was Benito. Yes, yeah. wasn't he like her too or something? He, no, well his his um or, his uncle. Yes, or his, yeah was was one of the original um like people who led a strike, mm-hmm. and he was yeah. he was killed disappeared or, or no 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 he was killed that was the last straw for ruth who's like i can't t- deal with this family anymore and we learned later all the details of it at first it's just you hear about this bride who took a shotgun killed um her mother her uncle her uncle her aunt her aunt and uh her, her husband co- to be. Her, who was her cousin and nearly killed uh howard Later, it turns out she killed herself but it turned out to be under howard's influence howard influenced her to do no. it I'm also wondering if, like, she killed the rest of her family because Howard was using them as shields. Oh. oh. I mean, the way that Noemi sees it in the dream is is she just, she sees her, 
she sees her shoot what she describes as a living tumor. And at first I thought that was supposed to be Michael, but then I realized that was her shooting Howard. Yeah. And then when she goes to leave, she does, I'm not sorry, puts the gun to her chin and fires. We And it's funny because like later, Naomi has the, the presence of mind to like communicate in her dreams with Ruth because Ruth's consciousness is still held in the, in the gloom. Mm-hmm. And um, that was really cool when she started to figure that part out. Mm-hmm. It was because you... Early on, you're like, okay, this is just a gothic ghost story, but it's like more than that. So you, you can call the, because it's like their memories, but are their memories like still them as a person? So they are still a lot like ghosts. But it's like on this like whole other level of like being this like amalgamation, amalgamation, amalgamation. of just like all these like lives that have been sacrificed for fucking Howard's benefit. Mm-hmm. And at the at the heart of it all is poor Agnes. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh my god. That was so cool. That reveal at the oh end. My god. Mm-hmm. Like because for, for a while there, you're like, okay, I think I see what's going on. It's still horrifying, but I think it, it's like, wow, I can't believe that's quite a reveal. And then that happens, and you're like, holy shit! I did not think it would get any more fucked up and horrifying i was wrong so uh she's the heart of it and it all stems oh, from, it all literally we, stems so from her agnes is um howard's first wife and, and also sister his... <laughs> I, I did i did appreciate when uh no i mean was looking at the pictures and thought about the concept of the Habsburg jaw <laughs> that's actually really good <laughs> It's funny because um, I didn't real uh, so uh, the Habsburgs are known for being ancestral, and that's why they have this like prominent jaw. Mm-hmm. But uh, apparently, um, uh, uh, Mary Antoinette is a Habsburg. Yeah, that's right. And uh, she actually she doesn't have the jaw, but she does have a like a pouty lip. That's uh-huh. like a sign, a slight sign of it. But it just happened to work in her favor instead of you know the Habsburg lip. <laughs> oh boy. Um, but yeah, so at the, yeah, so Agnes, she was essentially after she gave birth, she was suffocated, buried alive and her, and the, this process somehow allowed her to be conducive to the, the spores. Like she was a sacrifice to the spores. And then her, her consciousness was what started the gloom properly, kind of in a weird way or strengthened it in the area. It was a, it was kind of like her consciousness is kind of like what tied the gloom together with, with like maybe the Howard or the Doyle bloodline. Yeah. Because it was like, they were all connected to her and Howard was, Doyle was con- essentially controlling everybody through her. Mm-hmm. So, so wait, wait, wait. Then that means he had no reason to fuck his sister. If it, that's the reason they connected so much to the family. Well, unless, unless they were already involved with the spores when that happened. So it's just another way to make it even a, a stronger connection. Because that, that control is pretty, pretty strong. Oh, man. So Howard just really had a thing for his fucking, like, sisters. Jesus Christ. Remember, it wasn't about... <laughs> I don't feel like about... it was so much his sisters. It's really just the bloodline. It's yeah, all about the eugenics. It was all about the superior genes. Which is like a hit. Ugh, God. It's, yeah. White people, am I right? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and keep in mind, this is set in 1950, so we're not that far removed from World War II. Yeah. And think about the, uh, oh man, think about the, uh, you know, ideas of superior races and bloodlines that oh, were going God. on there. Oh, God. Ugh. So, uh, yeah, um, it's very satisfying when we learn that the apparition of the golden-faced woman or just the halo or whatever is Agnes. Mm-hmm. Ag- essentially, Agnes Doyle represented in the, um, in the fungus, in the gloom. And uh, it's so satisfying when um, Noemi, with the mantra, is able to, you know, tell the sleepwalker to open her eyes and throw a big lantern in her face. And, and proper gothic novel fashion the old decaying house burns down that's wonderful oh my god so um actually this I, is this is a question that we received but you know what i figured we should discuss this earlier i'm not getting into questions immediately but i figured i uh bring this up right now um so latrune asked i would like to know what is 
cons- what is something gothic horror or what would be considered gothic horror. So what I did was um, I went online and mm. found like look over a bunch of different websites and basically to see what were the most consistent tropes that popped up. Like what did different websites say that was the most consistent uh, tropes that popped up for gothic horror. And this one, this book absolutely like hits every single beat. Um, the one that We're, all right, let's, 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 let's play at home, everybody. Let's uh, see if we, we can uh, check all these off. So the first one is mystery and fear, which is, absolutely the case big time big time because we're trying to figure out the like throughout the novel noemi's trying to figure out what the hell is up with this family yeah why is catalina like not not doing something like what what is what is what in this house is making everybody so weird (laughs) and then uh fear or horror like holy shit it's (laughs) the whole thing is it's just horrifying yeah. And it gets worse. All right. Uh, curses. The Doyle family is cursed, said the woman with the parrot. Oh, yeah. That's basically the crux of it. Mm-hmm. I, the They claim that the, the, the gloom is assisting the family, but it feels more like a curse than anything, especially from Francis's point of view. Oh, yeah. Um. Gloomy and decaying setting, but specifically that this setting is a character. Uh, a couple of them will say that, uh, of these sites would say, oh, it's going to be a creepy house. But for the most part, they said it could be just a gloomy and decaying setting. So, Well, High Place is very much a character in this story. Oh my god, yeah. The house alone is definitely a character. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, there's a lot of description that goes into the house, especially with Noemi exploring it. And was anybody else getting some serious Shirley Jackson vibes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> actually, Sylvia Moreno uh, Garcia admitted like she was inspired by Shirley Jackson. That was so me. many people, and it's not it's it's for good reason because that was such. Oh, I love the haunting of Hill House so much. Uh, supernatural element or the quote unquote monster. Which is the gloom, of course. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think we got uh, a bit of both of that in that the supernatural element being the gloom and the monster being Howard. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, romance. Um, Francis gonna get love. <laughs> <laughs> One of the most adorable things that I read was um, Noemi choosing not to kiss Francis early on because she says. Um, she has no problems kissing men. Like it's so she often does it, but she, she found something so special about Francis. She rather hold off on it. And I'm like, mm. that's so sweet. <laughs> it's weird. Like a non kiss is so sweet. So yeah. Good. They definitely had some like really like cutesy moments that I was just like, Oh, you too. Damn it. Making me ship this. Yes. Um, I love the moment when they're being, you know, so they're doing, they're going through with the whole marriage thing. Right. Yes. And I love how they're at that moment. They're being forced to do this. And he just really gently asks her, may I kiss you? Which like what everybody else is forcing, forcing, forcing. And here's Francis like, is this okay? Can I just do that? Can I do this? And she didn't have to say yes. And I just, it's everybody else is terrible. And Francis still cares about Francis. Fucking precious cinnamon roll. I think one of the most endearing parts for me was when the she's like, I need a weapon. Like, you have to get us a weapon. Like, I need a weapon. He's like, well, you can have my my razor. And, like, she realizes, like, okay, razor's not really going to do much. But he, he wants to, wants her, he wants to help her feel safer like so desperately that he's like okay well here's my razor and then like to kind of lighten the mood he makes a joke of like well i hope you like bearded men and i'm just like (laughs) why are you so precious (laughs) (laughs) and then of course the the very end when they're they're lying in the hospital bed together oh Mm -hmm. my god it's so goddamn cute she, she ends up kissing him three times and each kiss is for a different reason and at the end that last kiss is for love. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm I glad I was not expecting such a like happy, sweet ending. And so like when we got to it, I was just like, Oh my God, thank you. 
so rarely do I feel just like so at peace with the ending of like something that I've like enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is it's, it's a really good sign for the narrative. Sorry, not I mean not. Oh, I realize we we have more beats to go through, but I mean just no, it's but... so good. It's so good and so wholesome. The the romance between these two that builds very organically. Oh, mm-hmm. absolutely. That's definitely where I'm. I feel the most grateful um in that it 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 did just naturally grow it never felt forced it never felt like like either of them were like trying to reach that end goal it just kind of happened yeah yes yeah I, well, there's another moment that really stuck out to me where no no noemi's like you really are you 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 really are my only friend here aren't you or you really do want to be my friend you really something. are my friend yeah i think it was in that same scene where he was like you can have my my razor but yeah it was the same bit right mm-hmm. yeah i think so so it's like like he's not he <laughs> i also like so when he is another part where i was just like in love with him was when he when she finds him she's lost in the cemetery and she finds him and he's just like, I'm picking mushrooms. And like, you weirdo, picking mushrooms. And obviously there's like, we find a reason for it later. Mm. But I was, just, at that point, I had no idea where the book was going. Like the whole mushroom thing. I was just like, <laughs> this book is very good at keeping its secrets until it's like ready to tell you. Right. Yes. I, mean, I kind of started the mushroom thing for a bit just because of the amount of mold that was described on the walls in high place and in different places just how damp and decayed the place was uh but then i didn't there were so many other twists that threw me and it was so satisfying this is why we were so we stressed so much that please do not listen to this without reading the book first because mm. all right so oh and you know that razor did come in handy because ultimately, by the way, this is great. Ultimately, it was Catalina that did most of the, the killing. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. And that was so satisfying. Right? <laughs> well, okay, let's see. Let's, let's, let's go through a quick body, a, a pseudo body count real quick. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Howard, or not, no. Howard gets basically cut down by Catalina. Yeah. But then uh, it's, it's Noemi who finishes Howard off. And even then, he doesn't die. He's going through, like, his death throes. Francis kills his mother. Yeah, that's... Trying to save Noemi. And then, lastly, Catalina, again, being a boss-ass bitch, um, stabs Virgil Doyle in the eye with... How did the doctor go down again? Huh? The doctor? He went down, but he didn't die. He was just left immobile. He was left immobile and probably was killed in the fire. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Same with the servants. That's right. Oh wait. Oh yeah. Because wait, then... no, wait, no. Uh, Noemi did kill the servant. One of the servants. Yes, yeah, she who did. Were basically zombies. Yeah, she she did because they one of them tried to kill her. And... Yeah, she had to. She had to, and that was also with the razor. Yes. So um, Francis's razor really came in handy. <laughs> Occam's race. <laughs> Which... Hey, Francis. It says Occam on the handle. Is this uh, like? <laughs> shh, shh. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Tropes. Tropes. Actually, speaking speaking of Catalina, uh, damsel in distress, uh, which um, actually David, when uh, I mentioned damsel in distress to David earlier, and he said, well, doesn't Francis count as that as well? Um, A little bit. I feel like Catalina. I think it's more Catalina and to some degree also Noemi. Um, Francis a little bit. I was thinking, I've been thinking about Francis as we've been talking for, uh, as to like why he was like he he like oh I can't go against Howard and like the family and the house and the gloom in that like he was born in this place grew up in this place and like the people he answers to like his authority figures which is like his mother and Virgil he's seen them go out into the world and still come back so he's like well if my the people that i answer to can't leave how could i ever expect to leave like the most he can hope for is that one day he'll replace the doctor and like run the numbers in town that <laughs> he hope to escape 
It's so sad. I know. It's such a sad boy. That's why I loved him so much. <laughs> I love sad boys. <laughs> um, I, 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 I like sad boys. I like evil boys. I like big boys and invented boys. <laughs> Sorry. I like all the boys. I, Francis especially, though. Yes. But, my milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. <laughs> my gloom brings all the boys. <laughs> my gloom brings all the sad boys to the yard. They're like, do you want to get possessed? <laughs> oh my god. Um, so I, I think Catalina fits the damsel in distress mm-hmm. even more so because um because she's the one that's always kept immobilized. She's the one that they're like, oh, she needs her rest. You, They try to keep Noemi away from her. And even their doctor, their quote-unquote doctor, who is a relative of theirs, by the of way. Of course he is. Of course he's a Doyle. Basically keeps her immobilized. And one of the ways that she does try to escape it is through basically a medicine that makes her sick. Like she's willing to almost kill herself in order to escape this. Technically, the the tincture only made her sick because it reacted. It reacts badly. It reacts against the gloom. Yes. And so I think it was the gloom reacting negatively with the tincture is that what made her sick. No, and and I get that, but it still makes her sick. Yeah, it could easily it could kill her. So. Well, it doesn't help that she overdosed on it a little bit yeah. that first time. Yeah, she took like multiple. I think it was like she was desperate to like regain some sense and control of herself that she took too much. Right, yeah. In that moment. Oh mm. boy. Poor poor Catalina. Do we have more items off of what makes a gothic narrative? Because I know we have a question in relation to the tincture that I Yes, I just two more. Uh one is uh emotional distress or intense emotion, or specifically melodrama. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, we got plenty of that. Absolutely, oh, yeah. no question. And then the other one, which is obvious, nightmares. Yeah. Which Some real good I mean, ones. There's like a lot of chapters dedicated to, to Noemi's nightmares. So, damn. Um, yeah, let's... Uh, Plot explaining nightmares, too. Do we actually just want to get into the questions then? Or do I we... think we can, yeah. There is a, uh, a question about the tincture. Um, Bringer has... Well, one is like a two question, but one's a little bit like a comment slash question. Uh, I thought I just had the tincture that is used to repel the effects of the mushroom. Do you think it is a coincidence or something else that made it the right thing to repel the fungus? Oh, that's a good question. That's a really good question. Okay, if I recall correctly, uh, we find out that the tincture or what what's in the tincture that Martha made is uh opium yes i think it makes sense it makes sense to me in the fact that opium like i assume that martha would you know get it from like opium poppies mm-hmm. um like it's because i got the impression she's a very natural herbalist medicine healer um but didn't didn't they also claim that they like it was florence who said this is opium dr cummins said it was opium and then uh they oh. said but it couldn't be opium martha doesn't have access to that it was something else it was some other natural mm-hmm. remedy but i, I mean remember. if it was because well you can get natural opium from from opium poppies if you like cut and dry the, the the milky stuff that comes out when you cut it anyway um don't don't anyway um <laughs> <laughs> um i the reason i think i agree with it that maybe it was opium uh, and maybe Marta doesn't really advertise that she has it is because n- opium like mushrooms is a naturally occurring mind altering substance. Mm. Uh, and so if you had say, so if you have the, the gloom, which is altering the, the state of mind to control it. And then another oh. substance is introduced that also alters the state of mind. It's like two conflicting like substances. It's like, and- hey, 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 hey. I'm the only one that deals with the drug trips around here, okay? Yeah. And if, say, Catalina first approached Marta being like, well, I can't sleep, because that's what Marta said, is that she took it, she asked for it because she couldn't sleep or something like that. Yeah. So sleeping issues. Uh, the Greeks and Romans did use opium uh, to cure insomnia, among other things. That makes sense. Hmm. I wish I could reread that bit. 
I mean, I got the book right in front of me. I got it. I know. So- I, I do intend on like if I can't get a physical copy anytime soon, I'm gonna re-listen to the audiobook. <laughs> yeah, it's a. There's so many details. That's why we're all like, wait, was it like this? And um, so it's and kinda- like there's like a lot of details that you like you you're fed early on like you're given and you, you don't realize how it relates to everything else until later on mm-hmm. so i I, this, I think this is definitely probably a good book for a second read or a second listen when you have when you can like oh i get what that means now or i get what like oh that's you know hinting at this you know kind of thing and i think that's one of the reasons why it works as a mystery as well because a lot of mysteries are like that like mm-hmm. oh you're going through it and you're like oh, oh i can't believe it was that but it, that requires then another read and you're like oh wait uh, oh yeah oh it oh. makes so much sense now that's well you know you have a good mystery when you can go back and like see where the pieces were falling together and the hints that you missed along the way mm-hmm. oh yeah uh bringer also had another question how do the theme of bloodline and skin color play into the ending is her will so great against the gloom or is agnes's anger so big that she is able to sense that the main character can help Maybe both. I think it's a bit of both. I wouldn't rule one or the other out. It's a it's it's a cooperation between two women who have been, you know, one of them has been essentially abused beyond her lifetime, and the other is being lured into this, and the cycle's got to stop. Yeah, it's it. I think yeah, both is probably yeah, like again. These are two very both 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 yeah. is good both. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So next question is. (laughs) We answered that one pretty quickly. Sorry. I I mean, it's. You could also say if I if I'll just throw on top of what into that that uh maybe it was Agnes's what was left of her consciousness wasn't so much trying to work against Howard, but that like in this this brief connection that she had with the gloom, Noemi was able to like sense that anger and like learn from it or like like realize like what she needs to do from it i don't know i, I mean, think it's like the buzzing and stuff and yeah and then like the, the other thing noemi does that other people didn't really try to do is she specifically reached out and tried to communicate with ruth yeah okay that yeah it was then it was like everyone else in the doyle family and even catalina was like don't look at her like don't look at it they didn't want to listen to Agnes and the buzzing oh. and the anger, but Noemi did. And if you, I mean, this might just be, because remember they do say that Noemi's bloodline does work with the gloom. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if that plays a part in it as well. And that's why she's able to hear Agnes. Because she was more compatible than say Catalina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I th- guess worked against Noemi and for her at the same time. Yeah. Uh, username 159 um, also asked a question. Thank you, username. Uh, this will probably come up in discussion, but did anyone guess remotely correct where the story was going to end up while reading? I certainly didn't. <laughs> I did not, and I am. Like, okay, like I did see like Virgil being like the villain, villain. But aside from that, I was like, mushrooms? Yes. All this body horror? Yes. Agnes down below? Oh my god, what? Like, all of it was uh, one surprise after the other, and, Mm -hmm. like, it was great. Yeah, nothing but curveballs for a lot of it. I thought I had a sense of it. (laughs) I thought there might... The only thing I thought was, like, there might not be... There might be a a non-supernatural or, like, a non-just this house is haunted and there are ghosts explanation. Wasn't quite expecting the network of mind altering spores and fungus that also connects the family patriarch to an incestuous bloodline that he <laughs> uses to like shed skin. And then there's the worm Ouroboros that's like the symbol and like, ah, it's so good. Uh, <laughs> twists and turns. The only thing I was able to guess for the most part was um, because it's hinted very well. It's like with the mushrooms and the mold and everything. I'm like, I'm, I was able to figure out like, okay, they play, this plays an important role. I think this, this does something, whether it's the realistic, it's the one causing everyone to hallucinate. And it's what's causing Catalina to hallucinate and make this whole family go like fucking insane. Then it's that, or there's something magical about these spores. I knew it had something to do with that. I did not 
prepare myself for the craziness that would occur. Agnes was a complete surprise. I did not expect that to happen. I thought like, okay, we've there's going to probably be a battle at the end. There's going to be a fight. They're going to escape. I figured Virgil was going to show up at the end, but I didn't know the whole like, oh, I planned this all along. And then Agnes was the biggest curveball of all. Time. Yeah. Um, as well, I did not, uh, I did expect Tower. I did expect Tower to be the jerk. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm like, no, mm-hmm. Howard's an asshole. I, yeah. But, there's there's no way around it. But did you expect him to be, like, a horrible uh, soul, you know, a possessing monster? No, I just knew he Black was. Black vile spewing. Oh, nope, that was all a pleasant surprise. I, I knew he was going to be something really bad. Like, I was, I had a funny feeling, like, he's, something bad's going to happen. He, and he's going to be the cause of it. But I didn't, mm, I didn't expect that bad. I was, there was a part of me that was hoping, not hoping, um, there was a part of me that had a funny feeling that Howard might do something rapey to Noemi, and I hoped that didn't happen, because <laughs> there was a lot of hints about that. That and Virgil, I thought either he or Virgil would do something rapey, I'm like, please God, no. And... It did get close, but it didn't happen, thank God. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still sexual assault, but yeah. No, it is. It is. But, oh, God. It... Well, it doesn't also help that there's the whole, like, you know, mind control angle, too. Yeah. It's so problematic. I love it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's problematic, but luckily, the people are the people who are would-be victims are able to stop it from happening and that's what's important we don't the the characters don't lose their agency to the point where something terrible happens to them completely they fight back but mm-hmm. by the way even though the, a lot of this is our curveballs and we don't we didn't expect it this wasn't like a out of left field sort of thing there were hints along yeah. the way you know it made sense that's how tightly like woven the narrative is you know because I know there's like points where you're like, oh my god, I did not expect that at all. But, uh, but it makes sense. Yeah. How did I not see it? Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Uh, we got one more, one more question. Um, this was from uh, Talos. Thank you, Talos. Uh, thoughts on the tarot imagery. Did anyone else look up the meanings of the cards mentioned along the way? So uh, he's referring to, uh, there's a point in chapters 20 and 20, uh, 20 yeah, I believe, where Virgil is playing with tarot cards and he puts down um, what's described as a knight holding swords and a page holding a coin. And I did look this up. Um, One of them is the knight of swords and the other is a uh, page of pentacles. Uh, The knight of swords is supposed to represent big changes or opportunities coming ahead or something that you've been wanting that you've been waiting for will happen. Mm -hmm. It could be like, it's it's like that that ambitious like you're 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 focused on your goal you're like driven to succeed like you're gonna get shit done <laughs> yeah and, that, and that's what the page of pentacles is too the, the the page of pentacles is someone that's uh represents like being grounded and also being ambitious and going after your goals so both those cards symbol- i feel like the page of pentacles is more like that that manifestation of that that success mm-hmm. like the the opportunity to it's kind of like the the i see it more as like the means or just the the the, the reward of uh, those pursuits um it's the way it's worded is that he puts down three cards and uh which is like a simplified version of mm. doing uh tarot cards and if I recall, one is like, this is what your past, the middle is your present, and the last card is your future. Or it could be read like, um, here's or here's three things that connect to you. It, it's a bunch of different things. But the most common one is past, present, future. Here's mm-hmm. the here's where you were at. Here's outcome A. Here's outcome B. Yes. Like that kind of thing. And, uh, but only two cards are described, not a third one. So... But that, I mean, the first card described makes a lot of sense. Yes. This is how, this is, this is Virgil being like, yeah, everything's falling into place for me. Everything I've planned. Mm-hmm. Tonight's mm-hmm. the night. I, the I, way I, after looking up the meanings for me, I'm not super familiar with, with tarot cards. I never learned them. I never took the time to learn them. But um, <laughs> the first card is 
is Virgil. Yes. It's definitely Virgil. Yes. But I feel like the second card represented Noemi in that Noemi was is is being in is that manifestation of that success. Like if they bring Noemi, if they bring Noemi into the fold. So it makes me curious if maybe that third card would have spelled like Virgil's demise in some sense. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you flipped over the tower. Oh God, the tower's like the worst card. The tower is one of the worst cards you can get. Um, David's uh, stepmom is a psychic and- uh, <laughs> She knows, uh, she does uh, palm reading and she knows the tarot. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a friend who is very good with tarot cards, like mm-hmm. weirdly good with them. I remember this. Yeah. Like uh, there's been occasions where she's giving me readings and she's like, oh, is your life like based off this card? Is your life like this, 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 this? And I'm like, okay, that's really creepy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's for the rest of our questions. Do we have any final thoughts? If for some crazy reason you listen to this without reading the book first, you need to go back and read this book. <laughs> this is absolutely my favorite book this year. Like yes. this is, oh my God. It was like you say, this was everything I wanted in a horror novel that I've been wanting to read. Do you like, mind? This is coming from the fact that we, we read a lot of, re- we've read a lot of really good books this year. I mean, we the first four months were just let the right one in. So like. Oh, yeah, that was good, too. Fuck. Oh, my God, that's right. So we have been on a roll this year with good books. Honestly, mm-hmm. good books, good stories. Like, Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so and so that's saying something when we get around to... And this is new. This is like a new book. This, it just came out within the last couple months. It just came out. Oh, and then also there was that announcement, like, literally when we... Right before we... Right as we decided that we were going to read this book... Uh, for this podcast, they announced that Hulu is going to turn it into a series. Yes, which I'm so excited. Yes. Oh, my <laughs> oh my god! I just need them to do my boy Francis justice. Like, do uh, Francis right, and you're all set. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. Yeah, um, so I'm very excited about that. Ooh, can we do like a little mini series where we like watch the episodes and get together to discuss them? Oh my like, god! Yeah, yeah, I'd like to yeah. do that. I'd like to do that. <laughs> I I would lo- I would do a review on that. Oh my god, it's so, that sounds oh. good. That sounds so good. All right. No, I, I think I think we all unanimously agree. This is a this is a choice read. This is pick this up, read it, enjoy it. So for uh, our next book that we're going to be reading. Uh, for Spoopy Month. Yes. The true Spoopy Month. It's October, <laughs> baby. Month. Yes. Uh, so we wanted to keep a, make sure we keep with a Halloween book. Um, and we're still keeping, we're keeping with the theme of reading uh, a work by a person of color. And uh, uh, we will be reading Demon Theory by Stephen Graham Jones. Um uh, now, Stephen Graham Jones is a uh, Blackfoot Native American, and uh, Demon Theory is a story or a novel that takes place on uh, Halloween night and actually was written as a literary film treatment. Ooh. So uh, he's written a lot of works, like a, a lot of works, but this is the one, this one was set on Halloween. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I kind of want to read a Halloween book for no i'm definitely for that i think we had another uh a couple other his of his titles on our list as possible reads for the show but i think because we decided oh it's halloween perfect (laughs) absolutely (laughs) absolutely so yeah any plugs before we leave yes we actually got a couple since we're speaking of halloween we ourselves have been celebrating uh since freaking july because why not uh, we have been doing the Olympics, and we are currently in the middle of two challenges for the Creative Horror Olympics, which is open to both of which are open to everyone. We have uh, a costume contest that's going to be going on. The deadline for that is the 25th of October. Just email your photo of the costume you've put together for this year because, I mean, we can't we can't really go out, but we can still dress up. Um, send that to Jesse Reyes at creativehorror.com. I'll be collecting those entries and uh, there will be a winner among the listener submissions. And then listeners will decide the winning team out of the, for the creative horror uh, family that is uh, also competing. So that's fun. 
Yes, working mm-hmm. on your costumes because I'm a little behind on mine. <laughs> yeah, we're a little behind on ours too. But this uh, year's oh. determined to get in the way of our uh, of our plans. But you know how it is. Yeah, we'll get we'll get it in on time. We will make yes. sure we get it in on time. We all have uh, costumes. So uh, while uh, the creative horror team will be um, uh, entering into a costume contest, you guys get to enter in into a story contest. Uh, our third challenge is the uh, Boo Olympic Story Contest, where um, the purpose of this is that you have to write a story based on an episode of a creepy cooking staff. The word limit for this is 1500, um, and uh, details about this uh, can be found on the creativehorror.com. Uh, you can submit your stories to midnightmarinera at gmail.com. Uh, there is cash prizes. Um, first place will be $50, second place $30, and third place will be $20. Uh, make sure to enter in by October 30th at 11.59 p.m. Pacific Coast Standard Time. So uh, I can't, we will be judging your uh, entry. So so all, all the details for, for past and current going Olympics contests challenges are all on creativehorror.com just head there and there's they're on the front page you can just click there or just head to the creators blog just we, we hope you participate because we we love uh, the stories that you guys have submitted in the past and we really want to see some cool spooky costumes so i'm looking forward to this halloween there's a lot of fun stuff ahead oh yeah oh, absolutely and um there's a midnight marinara an actual midnight marinara episode coming out uh, at the end of uh, October as well. That's right. And just in time, as, as always, we bring the show back from the dead uh, for uh, each anniversary. Uh, October 30th will be our seven-year anniversary, and uh, we have an original story that Kayla has written. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun. We are still in the process of finalizing the script and casting it, and uh, by the time uh we reach the 30th we should have a, a, a good fun proper audio drama it's chilling audio drama for you mm-hmm. also to wrap up the boo olympics we are going to be doing a live stream uh we're going to be carving some pumpkins on stream so that's another thing to look forward to i think we're also going to be doing a uh patron discord viewing of uh over the garden wall sometime in october so if you are a patron of midnight marinara or the witching hour that gives you access to our uh discord our private patron only discord and that's what we're do our little fun viewing yay Yay. we're gonna make the most out of this halloween okay Is that gold always there? What mold? Oh, hey, there's some gold. Are there flecks of gold in that mold? We really should have called an inspector. We should probably blow out the candles before it gets worse. Or maybe we should hold the candles up to it. Yeah. I mean, we kind of want, maybe the smoke will help. Yeah. Hey, everybody, take up smoking. (laughs) (laughs) Protect yourselves from the mind-controlling mold. (laughs) Buenas noches. Good evening, intrepid listeners. This is the Pasta Shade, the host of Midnight Marinera, and this podcast is part of CreativeHorror.com, a network of podcasts and creators working together to build a constructive community of horror fans. For more content like this, visit us at CreativeHorror.com. <laughs>